Today on Bold Steps Weekend, Pastor Mark Job reminds us that it's the lessons we learn in the middle of a crisis that prepare us to be used by God. This is a time like never before to minister to people around us. But if we, the people of God, if we, the church, aren't first of all prepared through crisis, we will miss some of the greatest opportunities that God may be opening to us. When things seem to be at their darkest, or when you're in a crisis, do you find yourself wondering, is God still at work? Welcome to our new Bold Steps Weekend program with Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. We started this message last week, so if you missed the first part, be sure to catch up online at boldstepsweekend.org. But right now, let's jump in. Here's Mark and our message, What's God Up To? Secondly, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's at the intersection of our deepest trial and God's strongest presence where we learn the most. Let me say that again. It's at the crossroads or the intersection where your trial is the deepest, where you're most agonizing, where the moment is the darkest and where God's presence is the strongest that you learn the most. Those are the transformative moments. The, the moments in which your soul is, is awoken to, to, to who God is. It's at those moments where uh, your, your spirit is revived. It's at those moments where you are changed. But it's in the dark moments where you sense the, God, the presence of God the strongest Those are the times that you learn the most. I want you to notice this. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 3, Joseph was sold into prison, uh, sold into slavery, rather. He's in the house of Potiphar, and I want you to notice what it says. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. So he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with them, and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, he sold into slavery, yet the Lord is with them. Then he gets put into prison. You know the story. Potiphar's wife keeps coming on to him, keeps trying to seduce him. He keeps saying, no, I have everything in this house, but not you. Finally, when he rejects her advances, she accuses him of attacking her. He gets thrown into prison. Now he gets thrown into prison. Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Here's what I want you to understand. Joseph was sent into slavery, but God was with him. Joseph was put into prison, but God was with him. You know, there seems to be a skewed theology out there. And I hear it oftentimes in different churches. And the idea is that somehow if God is with you, if you're walking with God, that you will be protected from trials, 
difficulty, cancer, bankruptcy, that, that if you're walking with God, that nothing bad is going to happen to you. It's going to rain on your neighbor, but on you it's going to be sunshine. That is not biblical theology. The Bible never says that, never promises that, never tells you that. In fact, if you read the New Testament the way you should read the New Testament, the Bible says, and it's part of our calling is to suffer persecution. And can I tell you the truth? Sometimes following Jesus makes your life more difficult. We're never promised that trials are we're going to avoid trials. We're never promised that hardship isn't going to come our way. We're never promised that crisis isn't going to affect us. What we are promised is that in the middle of it, we will, God's presence will be with us. That's the promise. The difference between you and other people going through this crisis is that the presence of God should be manifest in your life. It should be evident that the presence of God is with you. Joseph is in the middle of slavery. But yet even Potiphar, his master, his owner, senses and sees the presence of God in this slave boy. Then when he's cast in prison, unjustly, the prison guards, they see, hey, God is with this guy. There's something about him. He's in the middle of this hardship, but... God is with them. And I, I want you to grasp that and know that because it's important. Some of you may be in the midst of this crisis thinking somehow that God has abandoned you, somehow that God has forsaken you, somehow that you must have done something wrong because you have been affected by the crisis that we're going through. And the answer is probably no. You will be affected like everybody else, but the presence of God is promised to you. You know, about a month or two back when this crisis, uh, especially the COVID, was so strong and I knew several people that had died and people were unemployed and I was right in the middle of seeing just a lot of suffering around me and a lot of people really, really, really hurting. Every morning when I got up, probably for about two weeks straight, I would go to a passage, you know it, Psalms 23. The Lord is my... Sorry, I probably shouldn't ask you to speak out loud without your mask on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But the verse that really spoke to me, what wasn't the first part of the verse, it's verse 4. And every morning I'd read this. Because somehow it, it spoke to my heart at a time of a lot of... A lot of uh, suffering and heartache and hurting people around me. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Not because it's not real. Not because people aren't getting hurt. Not because it doesn't affect me. Not because it's made up. I mean, this is a real evil. I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's powerful. In the middle of it, God is present. 
The other passage that struck me was Jan Daniel chapter 3, verse 25. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're thrown in the furnace of fire because they stood to their conviction. And the king jumps to his feet and notices something crazy. He says, who's the fourth person in the fire? It was their deepest, darkest challenge, yet the presence of God showed up in the most powerful way, the theophany a manifestation of the pre-incarnate Christ shows up the fourth person in the fire in their darkest moment God shows up the presence of God shows up and here's what I want you to know that during this crisis if you lean in to God instead of leaning away from him some of you here if I were to sit down and talk to you personally you would tell me that this has been some of the most difficult time, but some of you would say, but this has been a time that God has spoke to me, and I've listened to God, and I've heard God, I've spent more time in prayer, I've leaned into His words. Some of you would tell me that this has been times that God has revived your heart, that God has done something in you. And so, during this crisis, God is using crisis to prepare us for His challenge. I believe that God is teaching some things to our soul, shaking us up in some ways that maybe it would take only a crisis to shake us up. And lastly, I want you to write this down. At the end of the crisis, it's those who have learned lessons and purified their hearts that God uses. Don't waste a good crisis. Don't just pray. I can't wait for things to get back to normal. Have you ever thought that if you just can't wait for things get to get back, back to normal that you may miss the lessons that God is really trying to teach you during this time? In Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 through 20, at the end of the crisis, and by the way, this crisis will end. This will come to a close. Some of us will look back at 2020 and say, what a crazy year it was. Some of you will go through this crisis and not have learned the things that God was trying to teach you during this crisis. Some of you will listen, pause, and allow God to shape you during this crisis so that you're different on the other side of this. Joseph in chapter 50, he's been raised to a position of prominence. He's second only to the most powerful man on earth at that time, which was the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh basically told Joseph, hey Joseph, you run everything you're pretty much in charge of everything, so he saves his family. He saves the destiny of what would become the people of Israel. He averts a massive crisis in Egypt. He lets the name of God be known to a secular people that did not really know the name of God before. He is at the height of power, and he's confronted with his brothers, and he speaks to his brothers when they finally find his identity and he says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? 
Rhetorical answer, no. Verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Let me say that again. But God intended it for good. What? The crisis, the difficulty, the pain, the challenge. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You look at this story and you see that God stirs up a problem in the palace because the Pharaoh can't get over a dream while he creates a solution in the prison where Joseph is at that opens a door to a new and powerful position that allows Joseph, after he's been submerged in crisis, to actually fulfill the destiny that he was given years ago as a 17-year-old when God gave him the dream. I'm praying that that'll be true for us, the people of God. Fathers in this place, mothers, singles, grandparents, leaders, that God will use this time, this fiery time, to do something in us that's different. You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps Weekend. We'll jump back into the second half of today's message in just a moment. Please stay with us. Did you know that in addition to this weekend program, you can catch Mark's bold and passionate teaching every weekday on our sister program. You'll find Bold Steps with Mark Job on the radio, on the internet, or through our popular Moody Radio app. So just go to boldstepsweekend.org to learn more. And while you're at the website, don't forget to sign up for our free email devotional, The Bold Stepper Weekly. It's delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning, and it's designed to help you start the week off right. Sign up today at boldstepsweekend.org. Right now, let's get back into the message. Here again is Mark Job. I believe that God is teaching the church some powerful lessons. Can I tell you one of them? One of the lessons he's teaching us is that church is not an hour and 20 minutes on Sunday morning. Church is much bigger than that. We are the people of God. We gather together on Sunday morning to worship God, but just because our sanctuaries have been closed, the church has never been closed. The church can't be closed. The church is a people. We are the people of God. Now, we come together on Sunday morning. I hear people say, well, since the church has been closed, I say, whoa, 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 hold on. The church has never been closed. Are you talking about a Sunday morning gathering in person? Yeah, that hasn't happened for months. But that is not the church. That is the gathering of the church that is dispersed throughout the week with the presence and power of Jesus ministering in our society, our schools, our families. And we come together on Sunday morning to celebrate the goodness of God, to hear the word of God. But the church is much more than a service on Sunday morning. And this is one of the huge lessons that has to be learned throughout our nation there are 
places around the world where people cannot gather in sanctuaries, yet there's still a powerful force of change. We are the church of the living God. When COVID started to spike in the beginning and Sunday morning gatherings in person had to be shut down, I gathered together with about 30 pastors and I said, you know, our Sunday services will be shut down, but it's more important than ever that we be the church. So we need to find ways to be salt and light apart from Sunday morning because there's more people that are hurting, more people that are anxious, more people that are in need than ever before. So this is not a time to bury, to moan, to sit in front of a screen on Sunday and say, I just can't get into the screen. I just wish I was at church. I, I get it. It's hard. This is the time to be the church, though. This is a time to be light. In, in Chicago, when this broke out, one of, the biggest, one of the big needs was that a lot of people lost their jobs. And we had a food distribution that served about 100 families before all this happened, but... After this happened, we realized that there were a lot of people unemployed in the beginning, couldn't have access to resources, and so there was a lot of people that needed food. And so um, we, uh, one of our pastors opened it up to people in the community, and 500 people signed up right away. And he realized there's a big need out here. And so they started delivering food to elder people's homes with masks, dropping it off, or single mothers that didn't have access to food. And soon we realized that the need was much greater. And so organized volunteers to distribute food in seven different locations around Chicagoland, partnered with business owners, secular business owners that said, hey, if the church is doing this, we'll help you out. Eggs and food. Tyson Chicken donated for uh, one week 40,000 pounds of chicken. Um, milk was delivered uh, two weeks ago, uh, two or three weeks ago. We uh, fed 30,000 people in Chicago. Think about it. Why? Because the church isn't a gathering on Sunday morning. The church is the people of God. I remember praying for one woman who drove, uh, was driving through the parking lot, her and her daughter, and I said, how you doing through this pandemic? Are you guys holding up okay mentally, spiritually? She looked over at her daughter and said, this has been really hard. I said, why is that? And she, I, she pointed to her daughter. Her daughter had no hair. She said, my daughter's in chemo. She's battling cancer. I said, wow. I said, I looked at the daughter. I said, can I pray? Can I pray for you? Would you mind if I pray for you? They kind of shrugged, looked at me, and so I just prayed. I felt God was saying, this girl needs hope. I prayed for hope that she would see a light, that she would come to know his power and his healing power and his presence, and that she would not spiral down into depression, but that she would see. When I opened up my eyes, they both had tears just streaming down their face. Why? People that, it wasn't church. Wait, 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 wait. I thought church was closed. No, 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 no. The, the sanctuary are meeting, but the people of God are alive and well, full of the Spirit of God, full of the power of God, because we are not defined by a Sunday morning service. Oh, I want us. I love these Sunday morning gatherings, but we are much more than that. I guess what I'm saying to you, people of God, and saying to myself and saying to leaders is that, yeah, God is teaching us in crisis, 
that there's a world out there that may never darken the doorsteps easily of a church, but that's not where ministry just happens Sunday morning. We are the people of God, carriers of hope, carriers of the gospel, full of the Holy Spirit of God in a world that is desperate, anxiety, fear, counseling has spiked like never before. I've talked to several counselors that they say it's overwhelming the amount of people that are, have suicidal ideations, that are depressed, that are going through a hard time. This is a time like never before to minister to people around us. There are people willing to have spiritual conversations. There are people that are open to the gospel that's five months ago were closed to the gospel. But if we the people of God, if we the church aren't First of all, prepared through crisis, we will miss some of the greatest opportunities that God may be opening to us. And I believe at the other end of this crisis, at the other side of this, churches, ministries, people will be rethinking, hey, can we more effectively minister to people? Can we reach more people? All I'm saying is that crisis is shaping us. Our character and our ability to do ministry. And people ask me, Dr. Job or Pastor Mark, how you feeling about the future? Are you overwhelmed? I'm more excited about the future because it's in the midst of crisis that the people of God shine the brightest. It's in the midst of chaos where people are looking to the heavens and saying, what should we be doing? It's in the middle of difficulty that the gospel shines the brightest. Yeah, will it interrupt our normal life? Yes. But let me tell you, Jesus never called us to normal. The goal of the gospel is not to make your life nice. The goal of the gospel is not to make you comfortable. The goal of the gospel of Jesus Christ has never, is never compatible necessarily with the American dream. The goal of the gospel is come and follow me even to the difficult places, even to the challenging places. The goal of the gospel is to stir us up with such a commitment to Christ that the whole world may know that there is hope in the name of Jesus Christ. And I believe, that the season of crisis, like it prepared Joseph, is preparing some of us to engage in the most compelling seasons of our life in and after this crisis. This is Bold Steps Weekend, the Bible teaching of Pastor Mark Job. And Mark, for many people out there, this was a much-needed and appropriately timed message. Why don't you give us a final word of encouragement and prayer before we close, though? Yeah, so maybe you can relate to this message, and maybe your life has been turned upside down, deeply disrupted, and you are asking yourself, God, what are you doing? Like Joseph, perhaps God is preparing you through this time of crisis and trial for the next season of your life, which can be the most impactful on you, your family, and those around. So I'm going to pray that God would use this season, that you would be encouraged and not disheartened during this time. Father, I pray for that person right now that may be struggling with loneliness, 
depression, spiritual disorientation, and maybe they've felt stressed out and like life is out of control, I pray, God, that even today you would give them a sense of your sovereignty, that know you are control, and that, God, that you do have a plan. And I pray, God, during this time of crisis that you will be honing, shaping, preparing, molding our listeners right now for the season that you have for them in the future. We trust you, God, and ask that you would use us for such a time as this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Don't forget that we'd love to hear from you this week. It makes our day when you reach out and share your stories with us. So be sure to connect with us today when you visit boldstepsweekend.org. Now, you can also send your card or letter in the mail by addressing your envelope to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And I'll repeat that. It's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And then be sure to ask how you can request a copy of our current Bold Action Gift, too. It's a book called The World of Jesus. Clear up any confusion about the practices and places and the people of Jesus' day as you grasp the culture and history of the first century. This book, a Bible history survey, is less than 200 pages, and you can request a copy when you call 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580. Or go online and give your gift and receive the book at boldstepsweekend.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join us again next weekend when Mark talks about the habits and disciplines that make a difference in our lives and the lives of everyone around us. Our series is called Habits, Disciplines That Make a Difference. And you'll hear all about it right here on the next edition of the new Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.